good to see you this morning. You turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Just so that you don't have to say it, I will go ahead and say it. Whose idea was it to let the preacher play the guitar this morning? Uh, just wanted to make that easier for all of the rest of you. Go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. Uh, this morning, as we look in Luke chapter 1, we are finishing up a sermon that we began on Tuesday. I know not everybody was able to be here on Tuesday on our Christmas Eve service. Um, that, that message, the first half of this text that we'll finish today, uh, is available on the podcast. If you don't do podcasts and would like to hear it, you can ask. Uh, contact the church office. We can make you a CD of that. But we'll also talk about it today. We'll kind of look at the idea that we saw Tuesday today as well to make sure that we're all caught up. Uh, but just to make sure that we're all on the same page as we get started this morning, we're going to be uh, today looking in verse, beginning in verse 76, but this full text began in verse 67. This is what is usually called uh, Zechariah's song or the Benedictus. Uh, this is uh, very much equivalent to Mary's song. Many of you know Mary's song, the Magnificat, that was part of the the birth narrative story, and this is Zechariah, Mary being the mother of Jesus, Zechariah being the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah was filled, verse 67 says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he gave us this as a prophecy. So just to make sure that we all understand what's happening here, Zechariah, who is a priest in his own right, who has been a priest for many years, he's later in life. Uh, he is miraculously having a child now, he and his wife. This is John the Baptist, is going to be their son. And after John is coming and John is born, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's given this song that he then gives to us. And so I want to stop there and just give you point one. Point one isn't necessarily a point of the text, but it's the point that helps us understand the context. Point one is in your bulletin, Zechariah spoke the words of God about the Son of God. So just making sure that we all have that setting right. That's what's happening here. God has revealed something to Zechariah that's not available to everyone. So not just common knowledge that everyone understands. God is making sure that Zechariah understands this, and so then Zechariah is then telling us what he knows. He is prophesying about the Son of God. So we saw in the first half of this song the other day how it is that God brought redemption to his people, how it is that God uh, ransomed his people through coming to see us. Today we're going to see three things. My prayer is that we will see uh, what John the Baptist is going to do when he's born. Zechariah is going to prophesy about John the Baptist, about his son. What is John going to do once he's born? He's also, that's the first thing we'll say. The second thing, he's also going to prophesy about what Jesus will do when he is born. So what John's going to do, what Jesus is going to do, and then the last thing that he gives us is why Jesus is going to do what he's going to do. Why he's going to offer these things to us. So look with me, beginning in verse 76, we'll start seeing the prophecy of what John the Baptist will do in his life. Zechariah speaking in prophecy to his son says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. So that is, in a nutshell, he's telling us here 
what his son's life is going to be like, what John's role is going to be, what John is going to do. He is prophesying. He has a special revelation from God about what his son's life is going to be like. And if you had to sum up, imagine how hard it would be to sum up your entire life in just a couple of sentences. But that's what we have here. So what does he tell us? He tells us that John is going to be a prophet of God. He says, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High. When he says the Most High, he's talking about God. You will be one of God's prophets. You will be special. You will be set apart. And he has a specific role in his prophecy. The things that John is going to reveal to people have to do, he tells us here, verse 76 and 77, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. So what John is doing here is he's going to get people ready for Jesus' coming. I know when you read that at first, it sounds strange. It sounds like what John is doing is helping Jesus. Right, because that, that's how it reads for us in English the way that's written. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Almost like a, a guide or a scout that's going to go before you and get everything ready so it's set up when you get there. But the work that John is doing isn't to help Jesus. The work that John is doing is helping the people. The angel Gabriel told back earlier in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel, when he showed up, to speak to Zechariah, he told him what John was going to do. In verses 16 and 17, if you want to turn back a page or so, we read this. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, speaking of Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So what John is doing is he is helping people to understand that they are needy. It's a really important job. Jesus is going to come and he's going to offer help and he's going to offer hope and he's going to offer redemption and he's going to offer ransom. But the problem is, if you don't realize that you have a need, then you're probably not going to be willing to accept help from anyone. Some of you have dealt with this before. Some of you are the type of people that you don't like to accept anybody's help. You want to do everything on your own. There are a lot of wives looking at their husbands right now. But here's the thing. When you realize, when you get to a point that you realize that you cannot do whatever it is that you're trying to do, you become so desperate that you say, I'm willing to break down and ask somebody to help me with this. I've done everything that I can. I've tried it all on my own, and I can't do it on my own. So I'm willing to ask somebody else for help. And what John was doing is he was going and telling the people, listen, you're to that point. You are to the point that you cannot help yourself, and you need someone else's help. And then whenever they said, well, how are we going to find help? Then he told them about the one that was coming what John was doing here. John went before Jesus and he told people you are needy. You are wretched. He was if you read Luke chapter 3 you may read that later today. Don't read it right now. But if you read it and you see the message that John gave to the people he didn't, he didn't hold anything back. He called them names. I, whenever I read it I imagine that he was yelling at some points. John was straightforward with the people about how terrible they were. 
how sinful they were and how desperately they needed to repent. Why? Because when they realized, when they became self-aware of how desperate they truly were, they're going to be prepared for Jesus to come. They're going to be ready to accept the help of the Messiah that they needed, that they just didn't know yet that they needed. So point two, we see John's role here. John's call was to support the ministry of Jesus. That's what John's doing here. Now that sounds oversimplified. John's call was to support the ministry of Jesus. He's like, Brother Zach, this talks about him being a prophet. This talks about him going before the Lord. This talks about him telling people about salvation and forgiveness of sins. And it does. But what I want us to recognize is that Zechariah, right, you have to remember who's telling this. Who's giving this prophecy. Whose song this is. It's not Jesus's father in human flesh giving this. It's John's father in human flesh. So you would think that this song was going to be all about John. You would think that it was going to make John sound like the hero. But even when Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and given a prophetic word, he talks about John as being a helper of Jesus. You see, it wasn't about John. Zechariah's song wasn't about John. And if you read through the book of Luke or through the other gospels, you'll see that John the Baptist's life was not about John. Everything he did was about Jesus. And I pray that that resonates with you this morning. As we think about Christmas, I pray that you don't think about Christmas as being something for you, but you think about Christmas as being about showing the glory of God to the world. It's not about us. None of it's about us. Even John's life was not about John. His whole life was centered around supporting the ministry of Jesus, telling people how desperately they needed Jesus, and then pointing those people to Jesus. He says that Jesus is one that was so worthy that he was not worthy to tie the straps of Jesus' sandals. How John refers to himself. I hope and pray that you think of yourself in the same way. That you are not worthy. That I am not worthy. Our life is not about us. Going to church is not about us and what we want. What songs we sing. What lessons we do in Sunday school. All of these things. They're not about us. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about me. It's not, what I, not about what I want. Some people say, what's the preacher want? That's what we should do. It's not true. It's about Jesus. Whatever brings the most glory to the Lord... Whatever he tells us to do in his word, that's what we should do. John's life was a picture of this. Zechariah's prophecy about John's life was a picture of this. John was only here to tell people about Jesus, to get people ready so that when Jesus came, the people would be ready for Jesus. I pray that we do the same thing because Jesus is coming back. And I pray that we tell people about Jesus. We tell people about their sin so that they realize how desperately they need Jesus, so that they would accept Him as Lord and Savior, so that when He comes back, they'll be ready. But so then he, can, he, he transitions here. He gives us these two verses. There are two verses that talk about John. We see here John's role. John's role, what's John going to do with his life? He's going to point people to Jesus. We sum up John's life in that way. So then he transitioned and he tells us what Jesus is going to do when he's born. He's going to tell us about Jesus' life. Now, we already saw, if you weren't here Tuesday, this is where I want to catch you up quickly. He already told us part of what Jesus does, what Jesus offers. Zechariah prophesied in the beginning of this song, he, he points out that God has come to redeem his people. 
We said the uh, good word for redeem that we understand a little bit better is ransom. It's this idea of you paying to set somebody else free or somebody else paying to set you free. That's what we're talking about here. So Zachariah said, how is it that God's going to ransom us? How is it that God's going to redeem us? How is it that God's going to set us free from our sins? How is it that God is going to offer us eternal life? How is he going to take away our punishment? And he said he's going to do that by coming to visit us. He's going to do that by leaving heaven and coming to earth, which of course points us to Jesus. So there's the first thing that Jesus does in his life. Jesus offers a ransom to set us free. He was the ransom. He paid the price so that we could be free. But believe it or not, this is exciting to me, believe it or not, he does even more than that. And you think more than that. He, he sets us free from our sins. He left heaven and came here so that all of the times I've screwed up, he would fix. He came here and took all of the punishment that I deserve for all of my sins upon himself. And now I'm going to tell you what else he offers along with that. That's a big deal, right? It's a good deal. So look at the text with him. What is it that he offers? Verse 78. It says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love the way in this song, poetic form, Zechariah refers to Jesus as the sunrise that shall visit us from on high. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Jesus as the sunrise that comes and shines light into our darkness. So there are two things that he gives us here that Jesus is going to offer along with redemption, along with ransom and freedom from sin and freedom from guilt and freedom from punishment and freedom from hell. Along with that, he says he will also, verse 79, give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So what does that look like? Well, light here some equivalent words, some thoughts that would help us understand him offering light would be him offering things like hope and joy and peace and healing and love. Jesus came to offer these things to people. He offers hope. He offers joy. He offers peace. He offers healing. He offers love. That's light. Jesus came to offer these things, to shine these things into darkness. So what sort of things would relate to darkness here? Despair, anguish, desperation, anxiety, pain, all of these things. So for those that are hurting, Jesus is offering healing. For those that are in despair, that are desperate, he's offering hope. Right? These things correlate. For those of us that have anxiety, he's offering peace. We don't realize that sometimes when we hear words like, those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, we think that's got to be somebody else, right? That's somebody that's dealing with a lot more than I'm dealing with. But brothers and sisters, we all have some darkness in our life. We all have some hurts. We all have some places that we need help and that we need healing. I don't know what it is for you. Some of you, it's physical. Some of you, it's emotional. Some of you, it's things from the past that continue to come up. But we have hurts. Some of you deal with anxiety and stress that 
that I wouldn't understand, that many of us wouldn't understand. Every day you're worried and you're anxious. You can't even enjoy life because of all the worry that you have. And it says those sort of darknesses, those hurtings, those emotional pains that we can't fix, he says that Jesus came to give light to those of us who sit in darkness. He came to offer light to those that sit in the shadow of death, which is just uh, an idea, a metaphor for a deep, deep darkness. Those that are really in the depths of despair. Some of you that, that feel like you are so desperate that you won't ever get out of this, that things won't ever get better. Zachariah says Jesus came to make things better. He came to offer hope to you. He is the light that's come to shine into all of the darkness all of the evil, all of the pain that sin causes in this world. There's something else here. The last part of verse 79, he says, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's a beautiful thought here that, that when we follow the path and the example that Jesus gives to us. Now that's what he's talking about when he says guide our feet. He's going to show us where to walk. He's literally going to show us where to put our feet. He's going to show us how to live. Now, he did that in a couple ways. He gave us teachings and commandments. He said, do these things, avoid these things. He's showing where to put your feet. Step here, don't step here. Do this, don't do this. But not only does he give us teachings and commandments, but he also shows us with his life. We read the scriptures and it tells us what Jesus did in this situation. How Jesus handled this. How Jesus answered this question. So Jesus is doubly showing us how we can be guided into the way of peace. He tells us and he also shows us. But this idea of into the way of peace, the definition of this word that's used for peace here is this. It's wholeness. It's when all essential parts are joined together. So I'm not telling you that, that you won't ever have another tough day if you come to Jesus. You know what I'm telling you? I'm not telling you that you won't ever have a physical ailment again if you come to Jesus. I'm not telling you that. Actually, the Scriptures tell us that if we come to Jesus, that we will deal with some persecutions that we wouldn't have dealt with before we came to Jesus. That there will be people that hate us because we're Christians that wouldn't hate us if we weren't Christians. So I'm not telling you everything's going to be perfect in that sense all the time but what he's saying here is that when you follow the path that Jesus has laid for you that your life is whole and your life is meaningful and you see how all the things in your life work together you see how they're all meant to point to Jesus that everything even the hurts that you deal with even the pain and the joy and the good times all of these things are significant and they're all meaningful and you have peace in the midst of all of them, the good times and the bad times. When you're following Jesus, that's what life looks like. That's why Christians' lives look different than the lives of people that are non-Christians. I think Isaiah 48 that Brother Dusty read for us earlier, I want to read it for you again. I think it, it really helps us understand this idea of that when we follow the path that Jesus has set for us, that we walk in the way of peace. It said, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and your descendants like its grains. 
their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. He says, oh, that you would have followed my commandments. Oh, that you would have walked the way that I had. If you'd have walked the way that I had for you, this is what life would have looked like. Peace like a river. Righteousness like the waves of the sea. Things would go well for your children. If, if we follow the path that guides our feet into the way of peace. So, so this is beautiful to me. This is, this is beautiful because Jesus in this song is said to leave heaven and come to earth to ransom people that don't deserve to be ransomed. Jesus came to pay the punishment that we deserve, right? It's not that we were kidnapped and need to be ransomed. No, it's that we have made mistakes and we have been dumb and we have been rebellious and we have picked our way over his way and that's why we need to be ransomed. So Jesus didn't say, listen, I'm not going to help them because they got themselves into this mess. Let them get themselves out because he knows we can't get ourselves out. So Jesus is the one. He leaves heaven and comes here to live the perfect life and to die the atoning death and then come back to life so that you and I can be set free. He does that. But more than that, he doesn't just come to set you free. He comes to set us free and to offer light into the darkness, to offer hope where we need hope, to offer healing where we are hurting, to offer all of these things, to shine light into the evil darkness of this world. And on top of that, this is a lot of stuff that Jesus does for free that we don't deserve. He also offers to guide our feet into the way of peace, to make our lives feel whole and meaningful and significant. Some of you feel like your life has never been significant. Or meaningful, like you're just trying to get through. Jesus offers significance. There's one last thing I want to see this morning. Let me give you the point for that. Point three Jesus is the fulfillment of God's mercy. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's mercy. Jesus shows God's mercy in so many ways redemption and light and healing and guiding us and showing us and teaching us. But then the last question that I have is why? Why would God do all of that for us? Why would He leave heaven and come here for a bunch of people that don't deserve it? To offer us salvation and freedom from our sins. And even before He got here to offer the salvation, to send people, to send John before Him to tell the people that they needed salvation and forgiveness of their sins. God has done so much for us that we see in this song to offer people peace and abundant lives and meaning and significance. Why would God do all that? Well, it's, it's told to us, and it's right between the role of John and the role of Jesus. It's the beginning of verse 78 says, because of the tender mercy of our God. The way this sentence is written, this idea of the tender mercy of our God applies both to John going before Jesus and to the things that Jesus was going to do. The reason that God left heaven and came to earth is because He is merciful. The reason that He sent John the Baptist is because He has abundance of tender mercy mercy. The reason that Jesus says light into the darkness and offers to guide our feet in the way of peace is because God is merciful. It's a reminder that you have not earned it, that you do not deserve it. It's because He looked at us and He 
had a heart that wanted to set us free from the pain that we were in. Not because he had to, not because we deserved it. The Hellenistic Greek understanding of mercy is a beautiful understanding of the word mercy. It says, Kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted joined with a desire to relieve them. So it's looking at people that are hurting and feeling compassion for them. Hurting for them, but not just saying, Oh, bless their heart. But saying, I can't believe that they're living in that and I want to do something to fix it. That's this idea of mercy. That God looks at us and says, not they're getting what they deserve. He looks at us and says, I don't want them to have to live like that. I don't want them to live day after day worried and anxious and stressed and feeling like their life is insignificant. That if they died that no one would care. Some of you have had those thoughts before. God says, I don't want you to feel that way. No, I want you to know that your life can be whole and meaningful. That it can be bigger than you. That your life can be like John the Baptist. That you can support the, the ministry of Jesus by telling other people about Jesus. By telling people about their sin and pointing them to salvation so that they might be saved for eternity. I want you to know that your life is meaningful. I want you to know that you're important to me. God shows that we're important to Him and that He sent His Son here to die for us. God doesn't just look and say, I, I can't stand that they're living in that filth. But He says, I can't stand that they're living in that filth, so I'm going to go and show them a better way. And what this song tells us is that Jesus is the better way. His example and His teachings and His redemption, He is the better way. So the only question that I have for you is, have you accepted that better way? Jesus came to offer redemption and ransom, but some of you are still being hard-headed and you're saying, no, I don't need help. I'm really smart. I've done everything that I've ever done in my life on my own. I don't need anybody else's help. Some of you are still there. I'm a, I'm a good person on my own. Go to church sometimes, pray most nights, read my Bible every now and then. I don't need anything else other than that. It's not what the Bible teaches, brothers and sisters. The Bible teaches that you are lost and that you are needy and that you are desperate. It, it goes further than that. It uses words like wicked and evil. We don't like to hear that, but before Christ, that's who we are. Not that we're kind of okay. No, there's nothing good in us. Nothing. Don't tell me about what you did last week. Don't tell me about who you gave Christmas presents to. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing good in you. It's not my words. It's the words of the Bible. So what do you do? You realize that you're desperate and you come to the only one that can fix you. You come to the only source of light that shines into darkness, and that's Jesus. You come to Him, and you say, Jesus, I need salvation. I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm, I'm being held at ransom by sin. It's making me do things I don't want to do every day. And you're the only one that can set me free. And He can set you free. He's already died. He's already paid the price. The ransom has already been sent. If you would come to Him. If you'd call on Him to be your Lord and Savior, if you would place your faith in Him, give your life to Him, 
He will offer you these things, these forgiveness, this light, this hope, this meaning, this significance. All of these things are offered in Christ free for anyone that will come to Him in faith. So I ask you this morning, have you done that? And if you have, then have you made sure that your life is about... I know some of y'all think, you said you only had one question. I have another question. If you have responded in faith to Jesus, then is your life all about Jesus? Are you like John the Baptist? You're not living for you. You're not trying to be a celebrity. You're not trying to be popular. You're just trying to let more people know about Jesus. You're just trying to point to Him. You're just trying to live for Him. You're just trying to walk the path that He has for you so that your life will be whole and full of peace and meaning and pointing Him. If you come to Him, are you living that way? If not, we need to make sure that we redirect our lives to follow Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation and response. If you need, if you need to come and call on Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never done that, you don't have to come down here. It's not how that has to be done. But if you want somebody to talk to you about that, to pray with you about that, I would love that opportunity. If you have other things that you're hurting about, other areas that are darkness in your life that you need light to shine in, you can come and I will pray with you for those. You can come and pray at these stairs down here at this altar pray and ask the Lord to come and to heal your brokenness I want to ask that you would do whatever the Lord leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation